630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Bottom of the fourth inning, the Blue Jays are on the board, but they have a lot of work to do. They trail the Red Sox 12-3. Canadian Elite Basketball League tonight. Edmonton Stingers on the road. Another win for the Stingers, 97-84 over Guelph. So Edmonton's record now 8-1 and one on the season. They're the defending champs. they got a great team. And don't forget, they're going to be hosting the year-end playoff tournament in August. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. You can get in touch by texting or calling 780-496-0063. The hotline is presented by CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials. A lot going on in hockey, a lot of uh, kind of more speculation than fact right now. Who are the Kraken going to take in the expansion draft on Wednesday? I'll have the updates during Inside Sports on Wednesday night. 5 p.m. Friday, coverage of round one of the NHL draft. Stoffer will be here. I'll be here. And we'll take you through the first round and then 10 to noon on Saturday for the updates on rounds two through seven. And as I was mentioning earlier, uh, drafting and oftentimes a lot of trading going on during the NHL draft. So we'll keep you apprised of all those stories. And we are counting down towards the return of the Canadian Football League. The league is back August 5th. The Elks are back August 7th with a home game against the Ottawa Red Blacks. And the play-by-play voice of the Elks is my good buddy, Morley Scott. Morley, how are you doing? Good, Rito. How are you doing, man? I am doing great. It's nice to talk to you again. But we've got a lot to talk about with this team, including a bit of a, uh, a, a Twitter, uh, ex- well, not an explosion, but uh, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> how is the team dealing with the smoke? Because obviously it's not good to be outside for a long time. Yeah, indoors is how they're dealing with it. Uh, they've moved their last two uh, practices, Saturday's walkthrough, which was supposed to be, of course, uh, the scrimmage, but because of the injury situation with the team being a little beat up, they just didn't want to take any more chances. So they downgraded it to a walkthrough, and then they ended up moving that indoors on Saturday because of the smoke. And uh, same thing happened today. We got word about uh, about 8.30 or so this morning that they were moving practice today indoors. Uh, I think it's supposed to be a little bit better tomorrow, so maybe it'll be outside again tomorrow. But, yeah, it's been, it's been a problem. I, I can't imagine how difficult it is to keep, you know, what is that? Uh, the field house is what, Read about 70 yards, I think it is. Um, it must be really tough to keep track of everybody on that field. There's so many things that you can't do in a normal football practice indoors, like do the long throws. You can't do field goals. It's tough, tough to work on kickoffs. Like they're working on kickoffs today, uh, basically just kicking the ball and nobody did any returns because, you know, you, you can't you can't work it out. They just don't have enough room. So it's a hindrance, I'm sure, but it's it's better to do that inside where the air is better than outside where where guys could be struggling or I'm, I'm sure there's probably like every every office there's somebody there who's got asthma i'm sure and 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 it's it's better to be inside and and uh, and breathing safer air than outside and having it bother people so yeah they're just gonna have to put up with it just like everybody else is and hopefully they'll get they get back outside tomorrow or, or at least later this week at some point okay so who's injured of note uh, let's see. There's been a lot of guys who have been in and out of the lineup. Um, uh, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. We haven't seen Sir Vincent Rogers for a couple of days. Uh, I know that Kyle Saxlid was in uh, sweatpants today. Uh, a lot of a lot of key guys have been in and out of the lineup for the last little while. And and from what we understand, Reed, they're not a lot of serious injuries. It's just injuries that are, that are just keeping guys out of the lineup, and they don't want to take any chances, right? At this stage of the game, with the way things have gone with with injuries around the league and and coming. 
back off of a long break. So uh, that's uh, that's pretty much been the situation. They've had guys in and out, and and off the top of my head, those are the first two guys I can think of. Uh, I know um, they've had a few guys who have been in and out as well during the week. So it's it's just kind of been a fluid situation for them at the, that they're trying to deal with. But they haven't really been completely healthy. I don't think for a while. Um, I, I think uh, uh, probably since day two is when the last time I think they had everybody available to them. Okay. Well, I guess that's kind of standard at this time of year. Guys, you get banged up almost immediately, so hopefully nothing too serious. Yeah, Morley sure. Scott, as, as, as the old saying goes, a coach always gathers the team at the beginning of the first practice of training camp and says, "How do you feel?" Because you'll never feel this good the rest of the year, right? right? Because it's just yeah. it just take, you just take a pounding all year long, and and you're not you're not you don't feel healthy again until you've had some rest at the end of the season. It's part of the deal. Okay. Morley Scott, Elks play-by-play voice, joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Darrell Walker is back. I played a couple clips earlier in the show. He had to quarantine. Now, did he uh, dive uh, right in today? Is he still being eased in? Tell us a little bit about Walker. He was uh, he was eased in a little bit today. Did not do a lot of work with the number ones today, but uh, was out on the field and, and was kind of getting his feet underneath him, I assume, uh, later on in the week. He'll, uh, you know, be in his rightful spot with the, with the number ones as they, as they work out. But he wasn't there today. Uh, I think just easing in. He hasn't, you know, this was his first practice, right? So he got the ease-in uh, motion that everybody else got a week ago when they began training camp. So, uh, you know, he'll be, he'll be fine. He's been, uh, the thing that was kind of interesting is he's been watching practice on Zoom. He's been watching video of practice, and and he says it was real helpful to him because he can he can he actually instead of looking at the plays on a in a playbook, he can now see them on video before he gets onto the field. He can see the signals, he can hear the cadence, he can do everything to to prepare for it. So he says that's going to help him be ready to to integrate himself fully into this offense when it uh, comes time. But I don't think there's too many people worried about Darrell Walker and and him getting ready and up to speed. Uh, I think they're just waiting for the for the uh, the games to start so he can collect another. Th- year season right <laughs> okay yeah he's gonna be i love watching walker for sure yeah i want to ask about this Derek dennis who was a member of the elks never wound up playing a game tweeted this about four hours ago i regret signing with edmonton now i gotta deal with this bs and that confused me because i, I thought Derek dennis retired Did, what is going on yeah, you know that came out of the blue for me uh, today when I saw that. I thought, what, what's happening? Because I, I just I'm looking at it now. Back on June 22nd, he had another tweet that said, "Writing this is not easy and definitely something I didn't foresee happening." But football no longer provides the opportunity to be able to care for my family properly in all facets. So for that reason, I will not be playing in the upcoming season. I appreciate Edmonton for the opportunity to continue my career. So he, and he went on to say that he's not retiring. He's just not playing this year. Now okay. that was you know less than a month ago now all of a sudden he wants to be traded or released so he can play this year now uh, there is some indication that it was because uh, after they signed Dennis they came to an agreement with uh, Sir Vincent Rogers and maybe he saw the writing on the wall didn't want to compete for a job with Sir Vincent Rogers I'm not sure what the what the reason is but apparently he has asked for a trade or to be released from his contract and and the Elks have responded by saying hey you got a contract with us you're more than welcome to uh, to come to camp and fight for a job just like everybody 
everybody else who has a contract with us. So uh, it's a little bit of a stalemate right now. We'll see how it develops moving forward. But as of right now, Derek Dennis is under contract to the Edmonton Elks and on the suspended list and uh, not at training camp. So uh, I, this came out of the blue for me because everyone figured he he was uh, going to go into quasi-retirement for the year. And, and I, I think I know he's found a job uh, working with an education company in Arizona where he lives. And my assumption was that he didn't want to take the pay cut to, to come back and play football and he was in a pretty good spot with the job and maybe he was starting to think about life after football and so he said I'm just going to put football on hold and keep going with this job but now apparently that's not the reason and uh, we're going to have to wait and see how it plays out but uh, it's kind of a mystery to me and probably a mystery to the Elks as well as uh, they saw the tweet come up today and then responded the way I just mentioned. Okay yeah interesting uh, yeah because like I said when I so not retired retired necessarily but has said he was taking the year off and now it appears he's willing to play somewhere just not here yeah and the exactly. Elks are saying we're not letting you go for free like come back and prove you can play and maybe we yeah, trade you I guess he's an asset and and you know he did by by not reporting and going into his quasi-retirement he forced the Elks to go out and and you know sign some more guys and bring some more people in and it, it was something they had to do and Derek Dennis is an asset he's a good football player he's a good offensive lineman I, I think he's still if he plays this year I think he's still got something left and can add to a team in the CFL but the Elks aren't I don't see them you know just releasing him for nothing and let him and let him walk to Calgary and play or to Saskatchewan and play where he's played before uh, so I think they if, if he does want to play somewhere else I think they want to get some for him if they can okay morley scott joining us on inside sports we have something else going on with the elks and the voting is now open on 630ched.com the all-time all-stars for the edmonton elks and as you're doing this you can also enter your name for a chance to win a pair of elks season tickets so that's pretty cool again go to our website being presented by ched and global news hour at six and then next week on inside sports we will unveil the winners in the categories of special teams players, D-line, linebackers, defensive backs, offensive line, running back, quarterback, and uh, receiver. I think you can vote for a couple guys in each category, Morley, and then uh, you know we'll, we'll be revealing, I think, a couple a day over the course of the week. Fun, uh, pretty fun reading the list. Then um, there are some current names on here. Like, it's not just all from the 50s and the 70s and 80s. Though, I mean, it kind of limited, like, it, there's that one position of running back where it's like, yeah, we haven't had a dominant running back for, for a while. Because even Pringle and Avery actually weren't here that long, right? They were excellent, yep. but sometimes, I mean, longevity does matter, right, if you're going to be a franchise all-star. Absolutely. That's a big part of it. And that's that's a position that the Elks haven't had that guy. And, and you know, my time, uh, you know, doing games is like 11 years now, and yeah, I, I don't recall, I'm thinking, uh, other than Kelvin McCarty, and of course he's more of a fullback, uh, no one's been around for more than two or three years at that position. They, they, they haven't had anybody who's come in and been dominant. C.J. Gable had a couple of thousand-yard seasons, uh, but then uh, didn't come back. Uh, he was the he was the been the latest guy to, to play at that position. But it's been a, it's been a thin spot uh, for the Elks, I think, for the last 10 to 15 years, really. And... Um, you know, most of the big names in that category go a little bit further back, obviously, and, and some of them go way back to, to guys like uh, long gone Jim Thomas and uh, Johnny Bright and Normie Kwong. Jackie Parker's in the running back spot. He's also in the quarterback spot. That tells you, once again, just what a great football <laughs> player he was. Eh? He could be the greatest uh, of two teams, uh, of two positions on a franchise. 
And Darrell Walker's on the list of receivers, which is a fun one. Brian Kelly, Fred Stamps, Terry Vaughn, Adarius Bowman, Ed Hervey, Jason Tucker, George McGowan, Waddell Smith, Tommy Joe Coffey, Tom Scott, Darrell Walker. That's a that's, that's a pretty thick that's, list, isn't it, man? That's I tell pretty you what, good. I, I know uh, you had a you played a role in it too, but uh, myself and Dave and Kevin Carius uh, spent some time just going over the names and trying to pick. And we actually, for some categories, we actually increased the amount of players uh, because we said we just can't leave these guys out. There's just no way you can leave some guys out. And it, the one thing that came to me, read over this, is man, we've been blessed to see some great football players in this town over the years. I mean, you keep going. Oh, I forgot about him. Man, he was great too. And then I know there was a couple of guys that. Somebody said, well, what about this guy? Odell Willis was one of them. So I said, what about Odell Willis? I go, oh, man, we forgot to even put him on the list. We, we have added him now. But it's like at, on the first list, he didn't even he didn't come to mind. I mean, he was a great, great player here for four or five years, won a great cup here. Uh, self-appointed mayor of Commonwealth obviously needs to be on the list. And there's just so many great players at positions that uh, you just forget about them sometimes. And, and you just got to be, if you're a football fan, you got to be thankful you got a chance to watch him in green and gold over the years. So fans can go to 630ched.com, look for the story. You know, you and I have both tweeted it out today as well. Vote for the players, enter to win elk season tickets, then we'll have on fun. We'll have fun unveiling the winners uh, at each position set next week. Morley, uh, I know it's a busy time for you. Love having you on the show. Going to be a lot. Uh, it's going to be so much fun following the hey, football did, throughout hey, the season. Did, before we go, did I win the golf pool or not? I haven't done it yet. Okay. Well, I had I had two. Winners, yeah, we have so. a we have a work golf pool. <laughs> I don't mean we're to all degenerate gamblers, here, but I was I've been w- anxiously waiting for the email all day. Usually, you we usually get the yeah. Email, I know email I didn't Monday, win, but, so I'm in no rush. But uh, I got you. I had two guys win majors, so I think I'm I think I might. We have we them. believe that you did very well, Morley. <laughs> you'll you'll be taking money from the rest of us. <laughs> I appreciate that, guys. <laughs> That's Morley nice Scott. <laughs> that is Morley Scott, football or golf pool winner. There's like six of us in the golf pool. We don't do the draft on work time. Actually, we do. Anyway, uh, (laughs) that's poorly, Scott. Another note today. Uh, Another note today, A.J. Gass, who parted ways with the Elks about a month ago, he was a special teams coordinator and linebackers coach, is joining Chris Morris' coaching staff with the U of A Golden Bears. And Gas there will be the uh, guy working with the linebackers. So they got Chris Morris on that coaching staff, Ricky Walters, Tom Higgins. Now AJ Gas joins them as well. Uh, another good recruiting class for the Golden Bears, and they're going to be getting back on the field for a six-game season in September. It's seven nineteen. It's Inside Sports on Chet. We're getting you set for the NHL draft. Our coverage will start at 5 o'clock on Friday night here on 6.30. Ched, the Oilers, according to the official calculation of the NHL, will draft 20th overall, but it will actually be the 19th player selected because Arizona has forfeited its first-round pick. And to look into that 19th player selected, we welcome back to Inside Sports our stats specialist, Michael's Minute with Michael Carsmaker. Hey, Michael, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. How are you doing? 
Well, I'm doing very well. I'm glad you're going to shed some light on players the uh, Oilers have taken as the 19th selection in the draft. Mm -hmm. And we're going to go back early in their NHL history for one of the big guys they took on the blue line. That is right. In in the 1983 draft, the Oilers selected from the Sioux Greyhounds, defenseman Jeff Boogaboom. He was 18 years old when he was drafted. He played seven seasons with the Oilers, and uh, he was quite the boy. He was 6'5", weighing 230 pounds, and uh, you would not want to be caught with your head down going into his area. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. He could he could lay the hit for sure. Another thing that's interesting is the Oilers took a player 19th a while ago uh and he's currently a member of the organization. What's the story there? Yeah, that, that, this is also very cool. But in the 1982 draft, the Oilers selected from the Portland Winterhawks Jim Playfair who is now the Edmonton Oilers assistant coach. So that is also really cool. All right. So, yeah, once an Oiler, uh, briefly as a young man, now the assistant coach. And, of course, a, a pretty well-known player was taken 19th 10 years ago. Yes. In, in the 2011 draft, the Edmonton Oilers selected from the Swedish Elite League Oscar Clefbaum. And of course, right now, Oscar is dealing with a left shoulder injury. And uh, we wish him all the best and hope that he can get back playing. Yeah, well said. Hey, Michael, it's great to catch up with you. We're going to have a lot to talk about here over the summer and in the weeks to come. Thanks for the draft update, buddy. Enjoy. Yeah, thank you very much and uh, have a great night. That is Michael's Minute with our Inside Sports Stats Specialist, Michael Carsmaker. Always fun to have Michael on the show. Yeah, the assistant coach, Jim Playfair, drafted by the Oilers back in 1982. That is officially a fun fact. we still got half an hour to go, and it's going to be a good one. We are going to catch up. Man, this, she is such an awesome story we have coming up. Aaron Young, who uh, we've introduced you to, probably uh, I think three times before on the show over the last several years from Legal, Alberta and headed to the Paralympics for the second time in her career. She will play on the Canadian women's wheelchair basketball team. So we will uh, update what's been going on with her and uh, look ahead to how the team might do in Tokyo. And of course, more from you, 780-496-0063. I'll check how my Twitter poll is going. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Okay, appreciate you tuning in tonight. You can go onto my Twitter account at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S, and answer this poll question. You're the general manager. Of the Seattle Kraken, which oiler do you claim in the expansion draft on Wednesday? Now, of course, I could not list all the possibilities, so I listed the two front runners and a couple of maybes. I did not list Oscar Clefbaum. I don't think he's going to be taken. I don't. He, he might not play in the NHL ever again. Tyler Benson, Jujar Kara, William Lagason, Alex Stalock. Benson currently the leader, coming up on two thousand votes. You can vote. You do not get a canned ham for this one, though. I'm sorry. 
780-496-0063, the number to call or text. Edmonton Stingers won tonight in the Canadian Elite Basketball League on the road in Guelph. They won 97-84. They're 8-1 on the season. The Blue Jays trail the Red Sox 12-4. That one is in the sixth inning. Okay, the Olympics are coming up, and then it's the Paralympics, and there's going to be some uh, really good representation in the Paralympics, and I'm pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports the pride of Legal, Alberta. It is Aaron Young. Aaron, how are you doing? I'm good. You? <laughs> I'm doing great. Is that fair to call you the pride of Legal? <laughs> it definitely made me laugh, but I mean, whatever you want. <laughs> Well, that is where you spent most of your youth, is it not? Yeah, majority of the time. Okay. <laughs> where are you right now? Uh, right now, I am training and centralizing in Toronto. Okay. And uh, when will you actually leave for Tokyo? I guess it's still probably at least a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, we're hoping to leave uh, August 12th and um, potentially stage in Nagoya, Japan, and then off to Tokyo after that. Okay. Well, I, I, like, Aaron, this is so cool to have you on the show. I, I think this is the fourth time you've been on. Uh, was it not Cousin Mitch that originally introduced us? Yeah. <laughs> it was. Okay. Uh, well, because Mitch knows I like great stories, and, and you're one of them. And uh, it's interesting talking to you because, uh, like, you would have been, I, I think you were going to Alabama when we first talked. Yeah. And now you're uh, you're in your mid twenties, so uh, you've seen things now. <laughs> you have the <laughs> you life experience. Put it that way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I I know I ask you this every time, but I do want to give people the context uh, just to remind them, or if they're meeting you for the first time, uh, can you tell us the the nature of your injury that led to you playing wheelchair basketball? Yeah, so um, I had a couple knee injuries back in my able-bodied days um, through basketball and lacrosse, and they um, tore my ACLs completely, ruined my meniscus, and my left knee, I fractured my femur and my tibia. So all those kind of mixture of injuries led me to wheelchair basketball, and that's how I got classed in to play wheelchair basketball. Okay, so can you tell us, and, I, and I, you, you know what I'm asking, but I'm going to tell the listeners, I'm not talking about three-point field goal, two-point field goal, and foul shots. I'm asking about a different point system. How, how does the, the point system works when it comes to classifying players? Yeah, so the classification process, um, you have to submit all your medical, and then you have almost like judges come and watch and judge you to see where your classification, so where your disability lies. And my classification is a 4.5, and the rankings go from a 1.0 to all the way to a 4.5. Um, a 1 is obviously someone usually that has a spinal cord injury pretty high up, so they have not a ton of function um they don't have a lot of ab or core control whereas a four or five pretty much looks normal but they can't do most able-bodied things if we have a lot of core function rotation all sorts of stuff like that okay so and, and, and there is is there a limit to the amount of points that you can have on the floor at a time yes you're only allowed to play 14 points on court at a time 
Okay, so when when you're when you're on the court, there might be some players like like you said, perhaps with some spinal injuries and some more limited mobility on the court with you. Yeah. Okay, so is there? Uh, how does that affect sort of? Because because I would assume, and I ho- I'm not trying to be. I hope I'm not sounding like ignorant or anything here, but I, I would assume there would be some players who might have a little, a few more challenges handling the ball, correct? And may, they may play different roles on the team? Yeah, so essentially being a 4.5, I'd be considered like almost like a center if you want to kind of make it basketball terms. And usually mid-class players between probably a 2 and a 3.5, those are your point guards essentially. And then below that is the workhorses of the game they're the ones that get me inside the paint they're the ones that work their butt off to help me up and down the court or um pick and roll situations like they're they're the workhorses of the team i would say (laughs) okay well no that's 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 good context and uh, i'm not going to say i've seen a lot of wheelchair basketball but i have seen some and uh I, i gotta say aaron whenever i watch i am always because basketball is such a vertical game and wheelchair basketball changes that entirely. But then you see how you ladies and the men can fire the ball around and throw up three pointers from distance with, with ease. I I mean, to me, it's, it's kind of an amazing spectacle to watch. Do you get a lot of that when people see it for the first time? Oh yes. Um, I try to, make an example of wheelchair basketball is more of a chess game rather than just a basketball game in general because there's a lot of things that go into our play and like the outcome of our play and how we play defense um but yeah lots of people you know expect people that have disabilities to be i don't know play nice and wheelchair basketball is not that the case at all so they're very excited when they see us play and see what we can do. And I think that's a big energy booster when we play and you hear the crowd like, oh, no way, they can do that. Or, oh, they broke their ankles, even though you can't really break someone's ankles in wheelchair <laughs> basketball. So it, it just you just feed into that energy and you want to make that more of a, a show and enjoy, like let them enjoy the game. Well, I, I have noticed, and again, I, I don't claim to be an expert. I, I've seen some over the years just, uh, you know, spending most of my adult life covering sports. But, yeah, it, it, you're right. Wheelchair basketball, and I also covered wheelchair rugby at one point in my career too. <laughs> they are not gentle games. Like, you guys don't care. Like, if you're going to the hoop, you're going to the hoop. If somebody gets in the way okay, in standing basketball, there, there's going to be a chest-on-chest collision or shoulder-to-shoulder. In wheelchair basketball, it's like, fine, if if my chair is there first and I crash into you, too bad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, uh, what's the worst collision you've ever been involved in on the court? Oh, man, I have broken multiple fingers. I've smacked my head against chair and the ground. Um, but I think the worst is when people fall and they dislocate their shoulders or dislocate elbow. It's very gross to see. It it rarely happens in the game, but when it does, it's really gross to watch. And obviously you feel for the athlete that it happened to, but there's been some pretty gnarly falls in my career that I've seen and also I have done. (laughs) Okay. Well, 
Uh, hopefully there are none of those in, in your future here as Canada gets ready to compete at the Paralympics. Uh, we were texting earlier today. You guys got fifth in 2016. Tell me about the the cycle this year, first of all, with Paralympics getting delayed a year. And then for, for you, I suppose, going from being kind of a newcomer to a team to, to now the veteran. How's it been the last four or five years? It's been so good, and it's been very different. So the last um, quad, we put it in kind of a four-year term. Um, it was obviously a ton of veterans on the team, and then after 2016, all of them retired. So all of us newbies got to kind of step up and have a leadership role. And ever since then, like, oh, it's been magical to play with this team, and we have such a new and different dynamic, and we're all young, like, we're just constantly hungry in practice to win, whether it's just like a shooting game or an actual scrimmage. And then once we're on court against another country, like it's pretty, we're pretty unstoppable in our like emotions and our physical drive. Like it's just really fun to play with this group of girls and leading into Tokyo and it being postponed a year. Uh, we really kind of, put a twist on that negative aspect where we were like, it's just another year for us to get better. And I feel like since then we have improved a ton and I'm just really looking forward to the games coming up. So Aaron, who do you play? How do you stay in shape? Are there a lot of international events? Do you have a club team and play in a league? Tell people how you, you stay sharp here. Um, so I graduated from Alabama, uh, before kind of COVID really hit. And, uh, I actually signed with a German professional team. So I went over there and played a season from September till April there. So I was the only one on our female team that actually got games and got to like actually play basketball with the team. Majority of the girls, um, had to do a lot of isolation training where they're by themselves or just in a small group. So I was very fortunate to go play in Germany and have that opportunity. But as for the summer, um, we've just been playing with, with and against each other. And there hasn't been a lot of international tournaments just due to COVID and, you know, all the safety measures that have to be in place for us to play. So we've just stayed in Canada and we've been playing against quite a bit of our men's team and the U23 men's team as well. So we've gotten quite a bit of games um, this summer, even though they haven't been international. And it's been a lot of fun because getting to play against men, you just want to kind of prove yourself to them all the time. So the games have been pretty aggressive. <laughs> okay, that's good to hear. I want to circle back to something you said. I think it's important for people to hear this. You signed with a team in Germany. So I want to clarify, you have been paid to play <laughs> women's wheelchair basketball. Actually, I signed to play in a pro team that's um, a mix, mix between men and women, and obviously majority of it's men, so I kind of play in a men's team. <laughs> okay, but you did make money doing this. Yeah. <laughs> this, this was a professional. No, why don't I just, I'm not going to ask how much, I'm not going to pry, but I think that's significant for for people they hear uh you know that uh maybe don't know a lot about wheelchair basketball that hey you're you're good enough and that there are teams out there where uh 
where it can be a profession. So, so that's, uh, that's really cool. Cause you, you've worked very hard at this. What is it like with the, cause you mentioned how the point systems work and, and you're the highest rated in terms of ability and, and you do not use a wheelchair in your day-to-day life, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So what's it like with sort of the mix of someone like you and maybe you have teammates who, you know, have suffered a spinal injury and and have gone through likely a massive transition in their life from perhaps being, you know, very mobile to now being not as mobile. How does it sort of work with everybody uh, together on the team like that? And and are there teammates, you know, that, that come to the team and are still experiencing the difficulty of that transition in life? Yeah. So, we have such a good group of girls on this team that um, obviously we don't really see the disability first. We just see the person and that's my teammate and I look out for them. So obviously if something does happen to them on court where you're kind of just like you as a four or five, we get a little bit overprotective. So when something does happen and a teammate hits a deck pretty hard, we're like going after that person that did it to them. <laughs> but um, other than that, like, all the girls have we're all through like different life phases and stuff like that so there have been some girls that have come into the program or on the team that are still struggling with their disability but when you're around people that love who they are and you know you just it grows on you and you you start to um become better as a person and better as a teammate so as much as we've all come from different backgrounds and come from different injuries, like the group of girls and how positive and outgoing we are, it's just like all helped us mentally and physically. Well said. Okay, Paralympics, August 24th to September 5th. You kind of gave the schedule earlier of, of heading over there. Of course, we'll be following how you, how Canada's doing. You're going for gold after finishing fifth last time. So I'll ask this to, to end it off. How good are you guys? Should we realistically expect the medal? <laughs> um, I think so. Um, I think our women's team has worked extremely hard to better ourselves. And I have so much faith and confidence in this team that we will be bringing back a medal. All right. I, I have confidence as well. Aaron, I love having you on the show. You're a great story. You're a dedicated, outstanding athlete. And I also love having you on the show because I know whenever you're on, the ratings in Legal and Mournville just go through the roof. <laughs> I'm glad. Thank you for having me. <laughs> we'll talk to you down the road. Thank you so much. That is Erin Young checking in. If you do want to follow her or look up more about her, Erin is spelled A-R-R-I-N and then common spelling of Young. Her Twitter handle is Juice. D-A-H underscore juice. Uh, I believe uh, I've asked her about that before. I think because she used to drink a lot of juice boxes uh, before or after practice, something like that. And uh, yeah, she's a, she's a great story. I, I love talking to her. And uh, hey, hey, I know we talk a lot of hockey and, and stuff on this show, and that's the number one sport. But uh, I, she, does, she and her teammates deserve a, a lot of uh, attention and a lot of credit as well. The Zach writes in, oh, this is awesome. He says, Reed, thank you for such an excellent interview about the Paralympics and bringing some knowledge to the Paralympics. I competed in four Paralympics and won a silver medal, yet it's only now the games are getting covered. So thank you for bringing intelligent coverage 
uh, toward the game. So that is from the Zach. The Zach, you should shoot me an email inside sports at 630ched.com. Maybe we could uh, find out more about you uh, as well. That's cool. And uh, the Vic says, thanks for that interview of an incredible amateur athlete. You are making them superstars in the world. We need more of this. Well, tell you what, Vic, they're making themselves superstars. I'm just happy to give them the airtime for sure. Like I said, Aaron's a great story and someone to remember from Alberta, from a small town, grew up in Legal, played in uh, Mournville as well, and uh, representing Canada on the Canadian women's wheelchair basketball team. It's 7.50, quick timeout. Good to have you tuning in tonight. The Big L says, uh, hey, Reed, incredible that Aaron Young gets to gets paid to play wheelchair basketball in Europe. And the Big L adds, I am sure some of my teammates would pay me not to play shinny or beer league hockey. Oh, Big L, you're too hard on yourself. Which Oilers is going to get taken in the expansion draft? This texter says, Jujar Kara has a glass jaw and he's a hot and cold player. I'm sad to say I don't think there's any chance the Kraken are taking him. I think it'll be Tyler Benson. And Robin Capilano, I'm always happy to hear from Robin Capilano. I believe Rob is the king of Capilano, just like Al Waxman was once the king of Kensington. What was that? What was the character's name in that show? Kellen, you probably don't even remember that show. I don't, sorry. <laughs> I'll quickly look it up. King of Kensington. Oh, what was his name? My dad's probably uh, Larry King. He really? To, he was a convenience store. Yeah, the character's name was Larry King, so, not, the, not, not the, the television personality. So he wasn't just the guy asking he questions every night. <laughs> That's true. Where was I going with this? Oh, Robin Capilano says, uh, predicting that William Lagason goes to the Seattle. Yeah, he's a longer shot for me. I think it's going to be Kara. Uh, I think Benson will be considered. I think it'll be Jujar, but uh, we'll see as they roll along. Okay, that was, and again, you can, if you want to have some fun, uh, how many people have voted now? Oh, uh, still about 1,900. I think we're capping out, Kellen. I think we got voter fatigue. I don't think we're going to get to 2,000 voters. You're Aww. the GM of the Seattle Kraken. Which oiler do you claim? Benson, Kara, Lagason, or Staylock? I voted Benson. Uh, this texture says, Reed, what do the Elks do with Derek Dennis? Well, I don't think the Elks are going to do anything. I mean, like Morley said, he informed them that he was not going to play in 2021. And now it appears that he wants to be traded or released. And the Elks are saying, well, you have a contract with us, so you kind of have to come to our camp before we decide to do anything else. So I, I, it appears that's uh, how that's going to play out. I guess we'll follow that. One of the other storylines from Elks Training Camp. Hey, don't forget, Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. Curtis Lazar from the Boston Bruins, former Edmonton Oil King, scheduled to join us tomorrow night. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy, your studio operator. My name's Reed. Have a great night. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.